When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only, as it may contain adult content and explicit language. So this week on Raw, The Fight Within, delighted to be joined by someone I've known for a very, very long time, uh, John O'Carroll. Welcome to Raw. Uh, Different type of interview we're going to do this week. You ready for this? Always ready, mate. Born ready for these interviews. (laughs) Well, we're going to start really easy, and then we're going to take you out of your comfort zone if you're okay with that. Yeah, of course. I'm very open. I'm, I'm always happy to tell my story. So, of course, my brother, it'll be a pleasure. Right, let's get cracking. Um, what were your first ever memories of boxing? My first ever memories of boxing would be... My dad took me to a gym a lot when I was a kid because I had a little fight when I was a kid in school. So we just I got beat up, so he took me to the gym then to start boxing. So I was always watching my dad kind of um, sparring and stuff. When my first time I was boxing actually like in the ring physically myself was against a girl called Kelly Harrington who is now a world champion amateur female very very good and uh, she busted me nose all over the place it was a mad mad spar but after that then I kind of got a little bit of taste for the blood and I wanted revenge so me and Kelly, Kelly sparred loads of times um, but that was our first it was she was her first year and it was my first year of boxing as well so it was fun but that was my first ever spar was a girl. Wow. Okay, that's something I didn't know. Um, what was the first fight that you ever went to? Like, whether it was amateur or professional, what's the first fight that you can kind of remember in your head as being significant or just, you know, the first ever one, if you remember that? Some people don't remember that. But Yeah, do you know what? I think it was actually um, Tyson Fury when he fought in Ireland. I'm pretty sure it was Tyson Fury when he fought in Ireland for, like, the Irish heavyweight title and um, then it was either Bernard Dunn I don't know what came first or second but then my next big memory would be when Bernard Dunn fought in the two arena that was massive as well that was my first ever event being there like live great time I, I know uh, I'm a bit older than you but I don't remember because so, I was asked this question uh, a few weeks ago about when's the first fight you was at and I was like do you know what? I generally actually don't remember which one it is. I think that's probably because <laughs> yeah. I'm a lot older than you, obviously, as well. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't remember. It's not something that I think if it was significant or it was someone who was high profile, you kind of remember it. But I think if you've been going to boxing shows, which you probably have as a kid, etc., etc., maybe not specifically, you know, right, that was the first time I ever watched boxing kind of there. 
Yeah, but the thing is with me, in Ireland, there wasn't many live events boxing, you know, so you might have been at a good few kind of growing up, whereas we only had Bernard Dunn, which was a massive thing, and then Tyson Fury was not the Tyson Fury that he is now. He was very, very early in his career, so I was only a kid, but um, I'm like, Tyson's not even that much older than me, so he was very young. Like, Tyson was a noble. I remember my dad had to remind me that it was Tyson Fury. Remember, we went and seen Tyson Fury when he boxed with that Irish title. So that's how young I was, you know what I mean? Um, I didn't realise it was Tyson Fury even. I just remember my dad telling me the story when we were looking back on it, you know? But I've only ever been to two events in Ireland, was them two boxing events, you know? And my dad was always a big boxing fan and always had boxing on the TV, but to actually go to an event that's not like... It's not like over in England where we... You were spoiled with events, so we didn't have that, you know what I mean? Oh, I suppose, yeah, there's a point in that. Um, do you remember the first ever fighter you kind of took note? Who was the first one for me? Again, I always repeat myself every week, and I say it's always uh, Prince Nassim Hamid was the, the guy that got me into boxing, got me watching it. Uh, who was it for you? It was Prince Nassim Hamid as well, <laughs> funny enough. It was just his flashiness and his style, and I loved it. Uh, even when I was an amateur, I used to box a lot with my hands down. I used to love that style. And I think that was probably, like, my era when I was growing up. That was who was, like, at the top at the time. You know what I mean? But I loved this flashiness. It wasn't even so much. I loved the whole flipping into the ring. I loved the flamboyant part of him. And as much as I'd love to do that style, it's just not my style, so it doesn't suit me. But, um, yeah, Prince the same would have been my one as well. So. You, know what I you find got good taste. I knew we'd get on. Uh, do you know what I find really weird is when you ask people this question about kind of who your favourite fighter is, and they list someone that wasn't even fighting when they were born. So if you weren't born in their era, how do you, like, how does that person kind of bear any significance in why you got into boxing? Because I could say Muhammad Ali, which is one of my favourite fighters, but he retired yeah. when I, the year I was born. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't really live through it. So it's always different, if that makes sense. No, 100%. Because when I was watching Prince Asim do all the mad stuff, it was like, I was living in the moment, watching him in yeah, the moment because yeah. it was live on the TV. My dad would have been having a few drinks, watching the fight, and I was allowed to stay up because the boxing was on, you know, like those type of things. Whereas you're right, like you're only watching Muhammad Ali on YouTube or something. It's different. Yeah. It's totally different. Like I remember those events were big events in my house when he was fighting because my dad loved the boxing so much, you know. So. I always think people make, make up their favourite fighter as well. You know, when like people claim to be these like, boxing historians and they list someone from the 50s or the 60s, I'm like, how many of these fights have you actually watched? I didn't even like all those fighters from the 50s and 60s. I hated their style. I hated they were just so rough and rugged. Like, I, my granddad used to always say, ah, oh, they were the best fighters and news are all fucking soft, news are pussies and this, that and the other. And like, I genuinely think we, this day and age with the nutrition and everything, we, we would have been probably tougher, but we would have been better technically. You know, so at the end of the day, I just, I never watched that style. I never liked that old school style. You know, like my granddad and my dad even would be like, ah, have a little look at him and have a little look. I hated that whole bleeding head down, just walking forward, like slugging it out, because anyone can do that. But not everyone can box and be flamboyant the way Prince Asim and make you miss and make you pay. And that was like a beautiful art of the sport, you know what I mean? So I agree. I think a lot of people make it up trying to be like, I like these old skill, I'm old skill. Not me bollocks, I like the new skill. They were boxing with, like, with flamboyance and all. It was, it's a show, because at the end of the day, I, I believe boxing is just... Take the sports side out of it. It's a business. And if you're, if you're not like someone who everyone wants to watch and everyone wants to see, then you're not making that much money. So someone like Prince Nassim, even that's why Conor McGregor made it so big. That's why even Muhammad Ali made it so big. Because we're flamboyant. People wanted to see them for their personalities, not just the fight. This might be a difficult one for you because I look at you as a person and I kind of only really think boxing in yeah. terms. But <laughs> if you weren't in the boxing industry... What do you think you would have been doing? I don't know. Like, <laughs> to be honest, with the area in that I was from, if I had never have left for Australia, I would have been a drug dealer 100 million percent because I had nothing going for me, you know. And I was hanging around with a lot of the wrong people. I was doing a lot of the the wrong stuff. I was I was just getting in trouble, you know. And um, but then I realised this is not the life for me. I had a conversation with my grandmother, and she was crying. She was like, you need to leave, you need to get out of here, because, like, ah, it's a long story, but I had, like, three assaults nearly hit me at one time, and, like, it was just, it was all coming down on me, and it was all coming down at once, you know? So I ended up deciding to go to Australia, and we just 
I went to Australia within two weeks notice and bounced. And then I really seen what real living and working life was. People were actually having boats in their gardens and was having like nice cars without being a drug dealer. Without like where I come from, it's like if you have nice things, it's like you're doing something dodgy because. We're in a rat race. In Ireland, it's a pure rat race. You're not getting ahead in life unless you're doing something dodgy. Unfortunately, that's just the way it is. And I'm just speaking from my area. I'm not speaking from other people maybe have different experiences, but from, I, I don't know what it would have been, but when I left for Australia, that's when I started doing painting and decorating. I started really working, you know, and mostly working on myself. That's where I went pro, but realistically, if I hadn't have went, I'd probably just be a bleeding labourer over in Australia. I don't think I would have ever came home, to be honest with you. I don't know. It's mad because I actually, in uh, Coroner Ben's podcast from a few weeks ago, um, when I asked him about this, he struggled to answer it, but he said if he wasn't doing boxing, he would be a painter and decorator. That's exactly what he said. <laughs> and obviously he's got ties to Australia as well, but it's, it's weird listening to you talk about that because he specifically said I would be a painter and decorator. But yeah, well, I've done painting and decorating over in Australia. Um, a good friend of mine, Brian, owned the company. He was actually my sparring partner, and then from being his sparring partner, he, he was the boss, like, you know, so he took me on. And it was the one job that I really liked and enjoyed doing. So I didn't mind going to work in the days. I didn't mind. Whereas everything else, I hated the thoughts of having a boss. I hated the thoughts of having to answer to somebody, you know. Whereas a painting decorator, you're almost in your own world painting. I kind of enjoy painting. So, yeah, maybe that would have been it. I don't know. Who knows? Well, when I originally asked you the question, the first thing that came into your head, you in your head at some point, you said, I probably would have been a drug dealer. That's quite specific, but that must be, again, I don't know specifics of you growing up in Ireland, etc. but in your head, that's what you think you could have gone down that route. Yeah, I was already doing that route. Like when, so we lost my mum pretty young, and I moved down my house at like 16. So like my dad wasn't giving me no money. My nanny was broke, broke. So I was already like selling weed and just doing stupid things, like basically just to get lunch money, just to to fucking eat. Like I couldn't ask me nanny for bus for your home, and I was only getting the bus. But I couldn't ask me nanny for that money for me lunch. Like my nanny was broke, still to this day she's broke. I'm still trying to elevate myself so I can make her rich, you know. But like I had no choice in the matter. And then monkey see monkey do. All the people in my area was doing that, you know what I mean? And even in my family, people were doing that sort of stuff. So. Like I said, monkey see, monkey deal. It's like, that's all we knew. From where I come from, the only people who had money was someone who was doing something dodgy. Whether that be, like, and don't be wrong, like, most places marijuana is, like, legal now, so it's all right. Like, I never believed, like, weed was such a bad drug. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I always, my friend smoked it anyway. I knew a supplier. It was, it was simple to get it and to sell it for a little bit more and just make a little bit of money. I was smoking it myself at the time, too, so... It was just one of them things. It was like, I was more selling it for my own bleeding, so I didn't have to pay for it. And then, unfortunately, that's just the route that I took. But I don't really believe that most of us in those areas have any other option. So it was me leaving Ireland, getting away from it all, and getting away from all those friends and people that I was hanging around with. That's when I realised, like, oh, we don't need to do this shit to actually live. Because I hated it as well at times, like, was fucking, I had to fight with this person because he wasn't giving me this money and I had to like, it was a fucking stressful time in my life as well. I had enough shit going on in my life, but yeah, I had to like, that's why I had the three assault charges hit me at once. I was baiting people because they weren't giving me money, you know what I mean? Like it was, I had to pay people or that's so I was going to get a few slaps. It was fucking just one of them things, unfortunately. Well, I weren't, not weren't expecting that, but I suppose we know you anyway from how kind of honest you are and how from the heart you speak anyway. So if that was a part of your life, there's absolutely no reason why you wouldn't address that now because look at your life over the last however many years. Well, the thing what I will say for that is, I, I said to people before with smoking weed before I fought Deco the first time, the thing is other people growing up in those areas can see, well, look where, where he is now. So as much as I'm not proud of some of those things that I've had to do in the past, but I genuinely believe I had to do those things or I wouldn't be where I am now. And then I hope that they can look at me and say, do you know what, I'm in, in, doing the same stuff he's doing, but look what he's done because he dedicated his time and energy into actually being a professional boxer and focusing on good things and I'm living a really good life now, you know, but at the time it was a fucking stressful life. Like it was, I had to do what I had to do. So like, 
yeah, it's not like something that I'm proud of, but it's something that I believe at the time I had to do. And I'm sure there's going to be many kids looking at maybe this podcast and say, fuck, I'm in that same situation. Maybe I can be like him one day. I'm hoping that my honesty can change their outlook on things and think, you know what, maybe I'm not stuck here for life. Maybe if we go to Australia, I can start walking and earn a living. Like, maybe not everyone wants to be a boxer, but it was when I left for Australia that I realised that you don't need to fucking sell drugs to, to put food in your bleeding plate, you know what I mean? And have a little bit of money. People have boats over there and shit in the fucking garden. I was walking down the road. These are on trailers. I was walking down the road and my, where I'm from, I was just thinking, that was where I was from? That would be just towed away and taken and like, sold. Like, you know what I mean? Stripped down for parts, whatever. Like, just, there were so many things that was going through my head and I was like, my mindset was just all wrong. It was just not like this people over there, you know what I mean? Do you remember the first ever fight or kind of significant argument you ever got into, like, growing up? Was it something that stood out as, like, a moment in your life which was either, I don't know, either verbally or, or physically? So, I always tell the story about when I was young and, like, I had a fight with a traveller in school, but I actually don't remember that story. That was all, like... I remember telling the story about always growing up. That was the reason I started boxing. But I don't actually remember because I was so young I don't physically remember the actual fight but I had loads of fucking physical confrontations like <laughs> in my teenage years I remember the first fight that I can actually remember I moved skill from Fingless to Dunshockland and some kid he was in 6th class I was only in 3rd class at the time and he was tall he was fucking really tall for even 6th class kid he was really tall and I remember the, I, was, I was only in the skill maybe a week and a half and I was at the go into the shop and came out of the shop and he was like uh, Give me, a, give me a field and give me a lunch money. I was like, what? So I kind of laughed and giggled because I, I just seen that shit in movies. Where we're from, you, you're not trying to rob someone's money because we're going to throw down straight away like that. So I was like, what? I was like, fuck off, you mad thing. I tried to walk past him and he goes, what do you think I'm messing? He said, give me a lunch money. I was like, you serious? Before I even finished then, you serious? I was like, boom, I just started hitting him and cracking him. And we went that so we were tussling. I was only in tour class then and uh, we were fighting for about, I don't know, maybe 20 seconds, right outside the Tara, Tara News, it was called, actually right across from the police station. And we just started going at it. And because um, he was much bigger than me, but I gave it to him. You know what I mean? I didn't, didn't stop, because where I'm from, in Finglas, like where I was born, we were fighting all the time. There was always travellers in the school, and we were always fighting with the, with the travellers and stuff. So I was well capable of fighting, like, so I had a good scrap of him. And I wouldn't say I got the better of him, but he didn't get the better of me. We went that, he was much bigger than me. And, uh, but everyone respected me after that. Everyone was like, can't believe you. You gave that to him. Everyone was like all over me because of it. And even in school, then a few days later, I remember everyone saying like, fair play to him. You actually, did you really give him a few digs and you hit him first? And I was like, yeah, fuck him. Like, so it was one of them things. Everyone was like shocked because he was so much bigger than me. I was always small. You know what I mean? This fellow was bleeding like really tall. He was probably like 5'10 and in sixth class. You know what I mean? Like he was really tall. Really jumping for him. But that was the one that I can remember off the top of the head. When's the last time, or do you remember a time where you felt you were fighting a losing battle at any point in your life? Yeah, um, fuck, only recent enough. So, I, my, my missus was pregnant. Um, they're recent enough. I had on twins. So, obviously, it was a big, big pregnancy and stuff like that. And my missus is only skinny, you know. But uh, she was really, really big. But long story short, we lost one of the twins. And um, I had a fight scheduled on a thriller bill in Miami, it was. So I fucking I had to go in because of all this COVID madness. I had to go to Mexico first in order to get into America. So I remember the, me and the missus had a conversation. And she was like, no, I want you to go because it was, it was good money. She was like, this is not just your boxing career. We're in this together. Like, you need to go. But she was still in hospital at this stage. She had to lose one baby. And they said... Um, it's a miracle if we keep the other baby in for one week because she got all like the injections and stuff to help the lungs um, grow rapidly and stuff like that. So uh, long story short, basically, she wanted me to continue training and go to this fight, but I just wasn't in the, the right head mindset. You know what I mean? I was like, fuck this. But she made me go get bottoms and gym clothes because I was just dressed normally, gym clothes, everything, and fucking train while I was in the hospital we were just at the losing the baby the night before and she's getting me to fucking train running up and down the car park I was doing sprints then the next day 
one session, then another session, then I was like doing press-ups, you know, fucking tingles in my arms now, getting uh, doing press-ups in the toilet, and I was just trying to keep fit and active, because she was like, no, I want you to do this fight, but I didn't know what the story was, if the other baby was going to come, if fucking the other baby was going to die, if, if what, so one baby was at the door at this stage, but the other baby was still in there. Um, so she was still making me train. I was like, you're mad, but I don't know anyway because I just wanted to keep her happy. As long as she was happy, I suppose fucking... She knows how I process things, so I always go to the gym when I'm feeling that way. Uh, then I went to... I ended up going to Mexico. Um, we had the baby two days before I went to Mexico. So the baby was all in ICU, with a lot bleeding, incubator and everything. Touch and go, like, for, for a good while. And then... Um, she still wanted me to go to Mexico, so I had like two days with the baby, something like that it was. Then I had to go to Mexico. She was still in hospital all the time. Went to Mexico, done a whole bleeding camp over there. I was on the phone constantly and that when I was out of the gym. Um, sprained my wrist then about two weeks before the fight. I fucking got a cortisone shot in the hand because I was saying, I'm not at the risking, I'm not at the coming away. Like me. I didn't even know my baby was going to live. I died at this stage when I went away. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Um, so then... I remember getting the cortisone shot because I was saying, I fucking need this money. And I'm not at the leaving home in the hospital with all this to then go home and say, I'm at the home myself. The shit that she was at the going through to me, me pulling out because of a fucking sprained wrist, you know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, it was really bad. Got the cortisone shot. Didn't give a fuck, kept training, kept sparring and everything. Went to the fight. Got, um, got to the hotel. And we were in the hotel about an hour. Then got a phone call. Um, can we come down to the board, board room? Well, I went down to the bottom. Fucking fight gets cancelled because Teofimo Lopez got bleeding COVID. So the whole thing just got pulled. The whole show got pulled. We went home broke. It was like fucking 20 grand, 24 grand in, in like deep in the camp. So I had no money. Like literally had no money. Then I was ringing my management team, please get me a fight. Like I need, I need to get a fight ASAP. Like because like, I have no money. I'm going to spend all my money basically what I had like floating around on this bleeding camp. And uh, I had to go home. Then it was all in and out of hospital, constantly bleeding in and out of hospital. The baby was still in, in the hospital for like 10 weeks or something after. So we were in our hospital every day. And then I got the phone call to fucking reschedule the same fight again. So I had to do, go back in the camp. My hand was smashed. My hand was in bits. Uh, I was getting a lend of like 30, I got like 24 grand off. My uncle, I got money off. I was just getting money left and just to keep me ticking over. Then I had to go and pay for another fucking camp. So I was like 40 grand or something in debt then, basically, before the fight. So I had to go to Mexico again. And it was just like, my hand was fucking bust up. Like, it was just constantly, I just felt like God was just testing me. There was no, there was nothing I could do, you know what I mean? But it was still, I was punching with the hand, fucking hands in bits. And even now, in my last two fights, the hand is still bothering me because I never gave it time to heal. I just kept fucking, I just kept getting shots. I had to get another cortisone shot before the, the fight actually happened. And then I had the fight. And lucky enough, I won the fight, but there was times in that fight, like I went back to the corner and I couldn't see any right eye. And I remember thinking, I'm not the second fight in all this time and energy, like being away from my family, like I'm going to leave me missus in hospital, all the shit she's been through. I'm not going home a loser. And that was like in the round seven or something, I thought losing that round, lost around bad, I thought. So I just went back out and just went to war with the motherfucker and just, I just took out basically all the frustration that I was at that feeling for the past two camps and everything. I just bought... Yeah, I won the last two two rounds, and lucky enough, that kind of won me the fight. But uh, that time in my life was really fucked up. Like that was a mad time, but I still had to just keep fighting. And now, like even the even the the fight, like I was I was fit as that in the first time, even though I went, the, everything happened with the baby. But the second fucking fight, I was in our hospital constantly trying to train, and then I was like going from to the gym packing my bags and then from the gym going straight to the hospital and in the hospital for hours going back trying to do another session back in the hospital later on that night like it was just a fucking mad time in my life you know what I mean I wasn't half as fit the second fight second camp around I wasn't half as good as what I was the first time Does it occur to you that <coughs> this type of uh, 
mentality or mindset from what you're telling me is absolutely fucked up. Like, this isn't a normal thing. Listening to you, like, at probably the worst point of your, of your life, but the fact that your missus as well was telling you to go and get your gear, go and do the fight. All right, the fight at the point didn't happen, but does that not occur to you that this ain't, that ain't normal? I didn't think it was even normal that my missus wanted me to go because I just, I was a mad time, basically, like, it was one of them fucking rocky moments when she turned around and said it to me. It was like, you know, go win, fucking out, do all this. And I was just like, but she did say to me before I left, she did say, don't fucking lose. And, but it put massive pressure on me. No, she said that as a joke, but it put massive pressure on my shoulders that I was like, I did have to put myself in a mad mindset, to be honest. But I think fighting for the fucking living, you have to be in a mad mindset in any way. But the thing is, it was, I was fighting for more than me that, that day, like, and everything. I was fighting more than me. All I kept visualising was going home and meeting the family in, in the airport and just, like, giving them a hug and, be like, and they were saying congratulations. I couldn't go home a loser, you know what I mean? But it was, uh, yeah, it was a mad time. It was a mad time in my life, for sure. There was a lot of shit going on. But your mind, I think, as a boxer, you need to be solid. Like, your, your mind needs to be, I don't know, you just need to be a fighter. At times in life, it's like that, you know what I mean? So you just have to get on with it. John, talk to me about a cause that you, you believe is worth fighting for. Everyone always believes in different things, I suppose, sometimes triggered from what they've been through or someone close to them has been through or how it's affected certain people or even yourself. But what, what causes do you, do you believe in? Does John and Carol believe in? I believe that we should all um, have the right to do whatever we want. Um, me personally think all this mad COVID shit and this 2030 fucking bullshit that they're trying to push on us. I do believe right now is the time where everyone needs to stand up and be strong and not be fucking uh, laying down to the 1%. That's the cause. I'm not going to start saying depression or, you know, mental health because people have already covered all that sort of stuff, um, which, of course, it is a big deal. But I do think racism is a fucking horrible thing. I think it's mad that we're all human beings. I think we should all have equal rights. And I just, I just think right now, the way the world is going, we all need to cop on and, and really watch what agenda is trying to be pushed on us. Because if this generation doesn't stand up, we're all fucked. And your kids are only going to do what you're going to do. Your kids are going to be easily manipulated, way easier than we are. And the older people have all, they believe the news, they believe all the shit that they're you know, that they've seen through history and shit. Right now, it's all fake media, fake news. I don't believe anything that the world is telling me these days. So I think right now, this mad agenda that they're trying to push, we all need to step up and start fucking having a voice. And I like that some of the boxers have because we have a profile. So we have a lot of fans and followers and whatever. But I've spoke out many times and people like respect me for it. But at the same time, I've got... Me and Scram nearly getting taken away from me. And now I don't care. Now I'm half nearly off Instagram because I'm trying not to focus on any negative things in my life and just focus solely on the positive. But uh, that's one agenda. I think we all need to step the fuck up. And, and I don't want to be eating cockroaches and all this mad shit that they're trying to push. I want, I want animals and fucking to be living in a, in a nice free world and not bleeding, not have too much rules and regulations and have to wear masks and have to get vaccines that we it should be our own choice, you know what I mean? So that's definitely a fucking cause right now that's happening that we all need to watch and educate ourselves on. What, what are the everyday battles in your life outside of the ring? Um, everyone always looks at me like this big, happy fucking <laughs> boxer with a smile and I was like, to everybody. My everyday battles is like, I always want to be, be there for my family. I always want to be the, the solid rock for my family. Um, but sometimes it's like, you. I feel like it just, as much as my missus is amazing because she's always there for me, she's the one that has always has my back. But at the same time, I just feel like uh, sometimes I'm out here in this world on my own and it's all on me, you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of it, um, since I've been 15, my mom died. My dad, unfortunately, just wasn't there for me, you know what I mean? He wasn't the father that he should have been. And he knows that, I know that. I forgive him now for it. But 
as well at the same time. Like I just felt like I've been on my own in this world for fucking many years. I've just had to like sink or swim, you know what I mean? Lucky enough I started fucking swimming, but um, for many years I felt like I was sinking, you know? So yeah, it's just, just mad. Like me, being positive is, is a great thing because I always have a very um, good outlook on life and the shit that I've been through, I believe, it's uh, conditioned me for life, especially through boxing. Because when I lost my mum, that's when I really focused on the boxing because I just wanted to make her proud. So through fighting all those battles, I believe, boxing kind of showed me how to treat life, you know what I mean? As long as I keep fighting, don't fucking quit, you can win. Simple as that. When was the last time, or do you remember a time where you had to fight back tears? Yeah, so... Um, Right now. <laughs> no, so basically, I remember when I lost a baby. When I lost a baby again, I had to, um, I had to be there for, for my missus. So that night, um, I had all this fight all set up basically for the thriller thing. So I didn't know whether to pull out, whether to not. Gemma then eventually told me to do it. So uh, I didn't hear from my dad for like three days after losing. So my nanny, everyone knew that I was losing the baby. I, I text my dad first. I didn't hear from him. He turned his phone off. I then text my nanny, told my nanny. She was crying and everything else. Um, but then I remember a good friend and mentor of mine. I had a phone call and a chat with him. And that was like a deep fucking me and him was like, even think of it now, me and him was like holding back tears massively. Just speaking to each other. He was like, I can only imagine what you're going through. And he was proper there for me, you know what I mean? So. Uh, then and now. <laughs> but yeah, that was a deep, deep conversation that fucking, I don't know, I'll always be thankful to him for, you know? It's uh, like speaking to people every week and I'm talking to people in that kind of in the industry that we're involved in and it's like the alpha male industry and you're meant to be perceived a, a certain way and you're not meant to cry as a man. It's like a, the old cliche terms, but um, which I suppose that holding back those tears can only really hinder kind of things coming out. Do, does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. To be honest, at that time I didn't hold back, I, I tried to hold back the tears, but I ended up bawling on the phone. We were both crying on the phone to each other. Um, but I do believe like you should speak openly to people and we all need to like as men we do have that horrible stigma it's like oh you need to be a tough man especially for years we, we go through a lot of shit but I do think uh, my partner Gemma is, is like a fucking diamond she's always there for me she's many times many times I've like sat down cried with her fucking on her shoulder she's been there many times she's cried on my shoulder but I don't cry a lot but one thing, this, this world just conditioned me to be tough. And one thing what I will say is, so from being tough, I had to be tough for certain people in my family. Look, when, when my dad died, I was, had to be there for all my sisters. It hit them hard. But I had a little sister as well, really affected, you know. Even to this day, it's really affecting. And um, it was always, look, I had to be the tough one. So for everyone else, I'm always tough. But sometimes I need a shower to cry on as well, you know. But I do think for men, we, we all need to... Speak up and have somebody there. It doesn't matter whether it's your best friend, because I cried and fucking, we may kill you on the shoulder a few times as well. So, even now, it's a fucking mad conversation, Kilgan. You're pulling out some crazy demons. But, uh, no, I do think we should all speak and speak openly. It's one thing with me. I'm very good at holding back tears, but when it's time to let them out and speak your mind, I believe we all should. We should all should be able to uh, have the courage to speak what you need to get off your chest sometimes, you know? Everything you've achieved in your life, and I'm not talking about in a, in a boxing capacity, just every proud achievement you've had in your life. Do you think everything, has anything come without a fight? Do you feel like you've had to, to fight for everything that you've achieved? Yeah, bro. Every fucking single thing I've achieved in this life, I've had to be really, uh, it's been mad because I was never taught how to make money. I was never taught how to, go deep and fucking meditate. I was never taught how to like live a, a nice life and like be happy. You know, like that's the things we, we get taught things in skill. That is basically bullshit. We never get taught 
to look inside yourself and like figure out who you are. It's always like conditioning and programming to like teach us how to be a worker or teach us how to be this job or you know, do whatever. But it never teaches you how to fucking speak your emotions, how you should feel, how you should control your emotions and like things like that. I just feel in my life where I am now today is mad. Like my dad could never comprehend that I was gonna be this person. He's so proud of me. Even me and him clash sometimes. But he's fucking so proud of me because even when I tell him my goals sometimes, he's like, ah, don't be getting greedy. I remember him saying to me once, no, he didn't mean it in a bad way. But that was the mindset that he was at. And I was thinking, don't get greedy. It's not about being greedy. It's like, I have one life. I'm going to be, I'm going to be abundant. This should be an abundant life, you know? So I, I've had to reprogram all this shit and the programs that I've had, all those young programs that I've had growing up as a child. I had to like reprogram myself basically and like be the positive person, read fucking books, you know, like how to actually make money, how to make legal money, not fucking stupid money, the way my family was, that's all I seen, you know what I mean, growing up was like how to do illegal shit, even like robbing and stuff, man, I still have like, sometimes I'm still like, I want to rob a little cabbie's cream egg, like stupid fucking things, and that's just pure programming from my childhood. Because we didn't have ants, so we used to rob shit all the time, like, you know, like, just, I used to rob stuff from the back of the bleeding shops to sell it, to make some money, like, just to fucking, I remember we used to rob, like, bread and all, just to sell it, just stupid things as kids, you know what I mean, but everything in my life, like, living this lifestyle, I've had to have certain mentors, and it's completely outside of my family, you know, my family, as much as I love the bones of them, but, the programs that they taught me growing up was all wrong shit. And the programs that even now I'm still, t when I talk to them, I can, I can see their programs. And I'm like so aware of them because I don't speak negative on people. I don't speak, but sometimes they still do. And it's just hard because like, I had to leave my family, my loved ones, and get away from it all to be my own person and to be this person, to be successful. And as much as sometimes I'd love to be fucking there with my family and like elevate them and help them, but. There's too, there's too much like negativity, and there's too much um, just mad shit going on there, just in, in the setting the ways, like getting vaccines and shit, getting like things. Whereas I'm like, don't begging them not to be getting vaccines, don't be getting this, don't be getting that. Like just, they're just setting the ways, like so, and they believe a lot of shit that they've that they were taught, and it's not their fault, but they never travelled the world the way I travelled the world, but I travelled the world just because I had to get away. I knew I. I felt my destiny was more than being in that area, being stuck in that rut and the rat race. And I just felt like I needed to get out. And lucky enough, I got to Australia at a young age. And I, I seen how other people lived. And I just, I just thought, you know what? I want a piece of this like legitimate life. Like I want to like not have to watch what I'm saying on the phone. Like I want to fucking, you know, like I want to be able to buy a house. You know, I want to like do these nice things. And, but I had to live away and learn, relearn all, reprogram my whole, everything that I was taught basically, to be where I'm at today, you know what I mean? Like even my family, as much as they love me and they're super proud of me, a lot of them don't know me. They don't know the person that I am now. They don't, and when I go back, it's like sometimes I still dim down a lot of the shit and a lot of the stuff that I'm aware of and, I'm, and who I am because they won't get it. And he'd be like, he's fucking mad. Like, they just think, ah, oh, he's a mad thing. Or he's a, or, they were all calling me conspiracy theorists when I was forced talking about all this mad bleeding agenda shit. But, but not even just about the agenda stuff, it was more so, like, even just with money. Like, I'd have to, like, dim down, like, some of the success and businesses and stuff that I, I can do and I'm doing now. Because they'd be like, oh, who the fuck's he think he is? You know, like, and I, I don't mean it in any specific family member or anything like that, but just in general, I just, I can't even show them the lifestyle sometimes that I'm living because I just feel like, I'm being a fucking show off or I'm being, a, but it's not, it's like, a, it's a abundant lifestyle. I believe we all have the, the capacity to live this type of lifestyle if we choose to and if we focus our energy on positive things and on growing and developing ourselves, we can all live this abundant lifestyle. But unfortunately, some people are just stuck in their ways and they will never, uh, they don't want to learn, you know, unfortunately. Where does your fight spirit come from? Again, I'm not talking in a, well, in a boxing sense as much. I know boxing's kind of entwined in your whole kind of life, but where does John O'Carroll's boxing um, fight spirit come from? Sorry. I always got told my mum was real feisty. 
like I remember my mum and dad she was feisty don't get me wrong but everyone always says I got hurt like even my dad says it my dad was always a boxer and was a, like a fighter kind of um, had no issues with throwing down but my mum apparently was like always feisty and was aggressive and stuff and not aggressive as she was a lovely people person but she always stood up for what she believed in and I believe maybe I inherited that from her but I also had to uh, I think life ingrained this mad mentality that we have because it was all, it was fight or flight, you know what I mean? It was either I was going to run away from the shit that I was going through in life and, and, and start taking a lot of drugs for an escape because that's what most people was doing at the time or um, fucking do something positive like boxing and elevate myself and, and focus the negative like hardship that I've been through in my life to make a good outcome of it because it, it's like... Anything, a fire can burn you, but it can also fucking cook your dinner, you know what I mean? So you just need to know how to how to manipulate things. And sometimes I've used this energy, maybe negative energy, and as a driving force for me and used it as fuel to me for you know what I mean? And it's just made me who I am. It made me hungry because I had to have an entrepreneur mindset at like 15 because I wasn't getting no money for me. Dad, me and him had serious clashes when we were young. So we moved out and everything. I was on my own. So I had to have an entrepreneurial mindset where I had to fucking make money. I was only a kid. But from making my own money, I always thought, well, it's not too bad, you know what I mean? Like, it's, like I, can, I can do this shit. So then once, once you start making your own money and you start doing things for yourself and you don't have people wiping your ass for you and stuff, like, you, you then start believing in yourself. So once you start believing in yourself and like, you get a bit more confidence, a bit more confidence, the bigger the roles start to get, like even the fights and whatever else, the better I, I became, the more pressure that was always on my shoulders, the better I, I became, you know what I mean? I'm like a fucking diamond, man. The more pressure that's on me, uh, I'm just, I'm more valuable, trust me. It's, it's mad, the fucked up shit that happened to me in my life, every time something messed up happened, I always elevated my life. And I, I put myself in a mindset now that I believe that literally God is testing my will to see am I ready for the next step? Am I ready for the next blessing? So if he's fucking me up right now, this energy is like seeing, am I ready for the next step to elevate again? And it's just, it's just testing me. Am I going to quit? And do I deserve this? Is this my benchmark? Or if I quit, this is where you're staying. Or if you fucking push past this, like the thing with the baby, and I just, I just done it anyway. You will elevate yourself every time. And I just kept doing that. And my life was just, it was all about the fourth step. You know what I mean? Take the fourth step, next step. And now I'm looking back and I'm like, fuck me. It's mad when I'm speaking to my family members. Now I'm dimming down where I'm at. Because I'm, I'm at that ground so much. You know what I mean? Even my friends. I've had to leave so many friends behind. Because I'm fucking up here and they never elevated to keep up. So I was like, wait, well, you know, I need new friends. I need to keep elevating. It's all about, I don't know, for me it's all about growth. You're not growing, you're dying. Do you ever feel like you're having to fight demons? Every single fucking day, man. Like, like I lost my mum young. My dad turned to drink. Like, I had my grandmother, which was a fucking amazing, amazing woman. But I've had a lot of shit, like, you know, if, you know, not a mad story, people probably don't really know either. I, like, I found my uncle dead on my 16th birthday. I was living with my nanny at the time. I found my uncle dead on the fucking floor on my 16th birthday. And then that day, I had to go and pick up a bleeding all-around medal. I was winning all-around medal. And the reason I was going into his room was because you need to be clean-shaven in the amateurs to, like, win a medal or to, to fight or whatever. And he, he said, I have a razor there. Just the night before, I spent the whole fucking night with him. And I found my uncle dead, like, you know what I mean? So, like... Every single day, I'm always fighting demons. But it's not about... Like, I believe life goes on. So, like, I could have killed myself. I was, like... At times, it was, like... I was contemplating a lot of mad shit. And, like, I had a, one of my best friends, Nathan Concanon, when I was, like, only a baby. 18, I think I was. He hung himself. You know what I mean? And was, like... That could have been me. If I had a chose that, like, I... I'm just, his mom is a lovely woman, Bernie. And it was just, like... It's mad I've seen what I've done to his family. So I was, like, nah, like, that can't be me. Like, I need to do something like I need to be better so I chose boxing then to give my family something to celebrate rather than fucking be like down in the dumps you know what I mean so yeah I'm fighting demons every single day bro but it's it's a it's a part of life unfortunately you know what I mean we all die we all it's a beautiful thing as well because it makes life valuable because you have to appreciate every day from losing my mom and seeing death firsthand and it makes you appreciate every single day. That you, when I go to bed and when I wake up, every single time I go to bed and wake up, I say a prayer. 
thank you for the angels for, for making me wake up and making all my family members wake up today. You know what I mean? And like, that shit is powerful because there's been times where I woke up and my family members were gone. And they were fucking terrible moments, you know what I mean? So every day I'm truly grateful for another day. And some people won't have that. So even now I'm fighting them demons, you know what I mean? Like, some people don't have that. Some people just think life is just going to go on forever, but it ain't like that. But one thing what I will say is it makes you appreciate every day because you never know when it's your last. There's a, a saying that comes to mind. Um, everybody dies, but not everybody lives. Yeah. It's a beautiful fucking saying. Yeah. James Dean says, dream as if you live forever, live as if you die today. And that's what I do, I dream big, you know, but I live for today. Every fucking moment I live for today. Even now I'm starting to do like little meditations and little, little things where I, I look inner to my inner world rather than looking on the outside to, to make sure I'm happy. You know, I take those little few minutes because most people are too busy with frantic running around trying to get the job done, trying to look out the kids. If you don't look after yourself, you can't look after others. You don't love yourself, you don't, can't truly love others. So, yeah, I, I live every day to the max. And that's why when people are like, why are you all so happy? Because like, it's a fucking day to be blessed, mate. Like, why not be happy? Why are you being angry, you know what I mean? If you're alive, you should be, you've, you have at least 10 things that you can be thankful for today. At least 10 things. If you haven't got 10 things, then you're not, you're not appreciating life, you know what I mean? You fight for your family. Your, your missus, your, your kids, your community, your country, you fight for all, all these aspects of your life, but who fights for you? Who's got your corner outside of the ring? Gemma, Gemma Bagger is my soul, mate. She's fucking, she's a legend. She's always been there for me through hard times, even, even when I was a dickhead sometimes, she's always been there for me, you know what I mean? Even when I've been hard, but she always realised she was the best thing that ever happened because I was, like, after going through so much with my mass shit, and I was speaking to Gemma the night before my uncle died. I wasn't with Gemma at the time, we were just like friends, speaking to her, and then when my uncle died, I went on a fucking mad one to start, that's when I started really smoking weed and selling properly and everything. But I went on a missing list, like just wouldn't answer me phone to nobody, me and her lost contact and that, and then regrouped a few months like later when I was calming down, but she took, she'd been there through a lot of my demons and a lot of my shit. But she took me for who I was at the time. I was a fucking mad little bastard, you know what I mean? Like, hated the world. Didn't care if I lived or died. Like, mad shit that I just, I didn't appreciate life. And I would have happily died then. Now, I have something to live for, but, because I have kids and everything else now. But like, back then, I didn't care. So I wasn't loving myself, so I could not love her properly. But she stuck through me through all the bullshit, you know what I mean? But now, we live a fucking, amazing life and I'm very proud that I can give her an amazing life and just how we've grown together. Like, I wouldn't be with the 19-year-old Gemma and she wouldn't be with the fucking 17-year-old, 18-year-old me now because of how much we've both grown. You know what I mean? There's no way we would have put up with the shit that we put up with then. But now I'm like, I do everything for her and she does everything for me, you know? Obviously, my nanny was there for me a lot. My nanny was my rock when I was a kid, going through all that mad shit. But Gemma's been there from from fucking 16 onwards, you know what I mean? And she's had to see a lot of shit, but she <laughs> she was always, she she just roughed it out with a smile on her face. What drives that fight within you? What drives it for you? What do you mean, what drives it? Like, what what your fight in life, yeah? yeah? And again, not specific to boxing, but you're just your fight in life. What drives that for you in your head? <clears throat> because I had nothing. So I had nothing to, <laughs> to lose. So when all this shit happened, I had to move out at 15, I had to do all my own thing. I had nothing. So whatever I'm doing from, from there on out, I'm winning. If I'm fucking eating, I'm winning, you know what I mean? If I have a roof over my head, if I'm able to pay for bus fare, able to pay for new clothes, I'm able to buy whatever I want to buy, I'm winning. So I, it's, a, it's a winner's mindset when I don't give a fuck. I don't even focus on losing because that's not an option. You know what I mean? Like, I can't lose because it's only me. I have no one... I have no fucking safety net to bounce back on. I have no family that's going to like say, oh, here's a few quid. You can't pay your rent. You can't pay your fucking mortgage. Here's a few quid. I haven't got that. My family's broke, like. So, like, me, it's, it's me or nothing. You know what I mean? So it's like sink or swim. And like I said, I'm just, I'm swimming, man. I'm fucking, I'm on a boat right now. I'm floating through life. Life is good. You know what I mean? Like, but, so I have nothing to lose. So, you know what I mean? 
I will always think and look at my life that. Even if I went broke today, I'm starting with experience. I'll be rich in the next fucking year, no problem. That's the mindset I have. I don't care about losing everything because I've lost everything before. I've lost everything. I've lost my ma. I lost fucking. I, had, I lost basically both parents at the same time when I lost my ma because I lost my dad to that alcohol at the time. So like I had none. So I'm I'm all, I'm I'm forever grateful to have shit now. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now as well, I have kids. So I never want to be the father that my dad was when my when my mom left us. So. I will always be strong for my kids. I will always be there if they ever need me, emotionally, physically, like, f fucking financially. It doesn't matter, you know what I mean? Like, but I will always be there one way or another because I didn't have that. So sometimes I, I think kids that have a rough is like, they've, they've had it the best because they've had to learn on the job. So I had to learn from such a young age that now I'm, I'm only 30 and I feel like I've lived many lifetimes. I lived in Australia, I lived that mad lifestyle in, in the fucking, in a shithole, selling their own mad stuff, getting chased by the police with loads of shit on me and all, like, I've lived that mad life, punching hell out of people, having assaults, hitting me all at once, then I've lived over in Australia, walking, the walking life, then I've lived in Ireland, then in Spain, fucking boxing, four for world titles, now I'm living in Dubai, whereas, like, I'm coming to the end of my career, but I'm starting to do things, uh, business-wise, amazingly, so, like, it's just fucking... Because I had to do it when I was 15, I've had, I've had now 15 years of experience on walking. Most people, they get a handy, go to college thing, they don't even hit real life till they're fucking 25, 26. And then they, they're in a one-bedroom apartment, fucking box. I was fighting for world titles when I was 26. You know what I mean? So like, I've been doing it with experience for years now. So I have like 15, 15 years of basically having to do shit for myself and like making sure I had food on the table. Making sure my rent and mortgage was paid. You know, all these sort of shit. Like, that's... I've been doing it myself. So my driving force now was my kids, of course, and Gemma. But to be a better man than my dad was, and unfortunately that's horrible to say that, but that's just simply as it is. I always try to be better, and I don't want to ever compare my life to anyone else's because that's not a spiritual thing. I shouldn't be doing that. But I just... I was always doing that. Growing up, I was like, I just want to be better than him. I just want to give my kids more than what he gave me. So that was... As, and then I have to love him for it because then I have to love him for the, the shit times because I am who I am and I love who the fuck I am so I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for the shit that he fucking done to me or, or not done for me you know what I mean in a better word <laughs> well John listen I appreciate you uh, sharing this and every week like I said I'm learning more about people I've known for years I've known you for like 10 years yeah, or whatever years, but yeah. we've not really had this kind of conversation before because it's always the, the normal kind of stuff that we speak about fight weeks etc yeah. and yeah. It, it's interesting especially someone like you because I have known you for a long time but some of the stuff you're talking about today like I had no clue about obviously some of it I did but mm. yeah but you know what I just have to say life is a crazy thing and if you're feeling depressed or you're feeling down you should speak to somebody for sure um, there's been many times where I had to lean on others but then there's been many times because I was able to lean on them in my time of need they were able they trusted me and had that thing for me then and, and leaned on me in that time of need and it's a beautiful thing being able to help people and get help also you know what I mean so just what I will say is we all have a demons life is one of those things I think who was more fucked up than the other? You know what I mean? We're all fucked up, you know? Just, I personally believe that um, life throws some things at you and it's how you react to where your life path will go. And if you focus only on the positive, even when the shit hits the fan and you have a positive mindset and you actually dedicate your life to doing something positive, you can do wonders in this world. People don't understand that. People think when shit hits the fan, they get down the dumps and they get depressed and all. Sometimes you need depression, sometimes you need to be kicked while you're down in order for you to get up and fucking bite the hand off someone, you know what I mean? If, if they're not fucking feeding you, bite the hand, that feeds you. All this shit, like, I just, I just think you should be respectful to your elders, try to learn from them, take as much information off them as possible, but at the same time, do your own fucking thing. Don't be listening to your parents if they're... Oh, you have to reprogram my whole shit, you know what I mean? So, my, my family told me not to move to Spain, my family didn't really want me to move to Australia. You know, so I've, I've fell out with people in my family, not my Pacific family, but in Gemma's family, for moving to the boy. You know what I mean? 
I done this shit anyway. I didn't give a fuck what anyone else was doing. That's their life. So we all should focus on what's going to make us better and uh, elevate each other. I just think life is a beautiful thing as long as we keep a good, positive mindset about it, you know? But I appreciate this talk, Kilgan, because sometimes I, I keep a lot of shit in, you know what I mean? People, I keep people on a need-to-know basis because that is where I'm from. It's just the way we were brought up. But one thing what I will say is loyalty to the people that showed you love when you were down. You should always, uh, you should always respect that, and there are people that will be there for life. You know what I mean? Loyalty is something not very common these days, but I got it in abundance. Okay, um, right. Let's end on a, well, say a, a, a positive note. There was a question that I didn't put in because you were on a flow, so I kind of <laughs> thought, let me come back to this question. So we can end on this. So <clears throat> every week we're doing like, think of it as John O'Carroll's fight team, right? Okay. So imagine a five-on-five five situation in the ring. Ring rules, okay. right? So you've got you and you've got four other people. They haven't got to be boxers. They haven't got to be people that are, are alive. They haven't got people, like they could be literally anyone. Like I think, who is it? Fabio Waldi picked Bruce Lee for example. So you can have four people, but boxing rules only. Boxing rules, but is there boxing gloves? Yeah, with gloves, yeah, let's say gloves. So then I'm going to go with a couple of boxers, then obviously you have to. So there would be me, yeah. Jazza Dickens, because I love Jazza, and he's a tough as fucking nails little bastard, and he will always go to war with you until he has no breath in his lungs. So me, Jazza, Tyson Fury, because yeah. he's a fucking beast, and he's a, he's a monster of a man, so he's going to smash any big motherfucker that the other five or so I'd have on the team. Um, Mike Tyson, because he fucking bite the ears off anyone that played. And he, I'm sure he is an animal street fighter, never mind boxer. But uh, the young Mike Tyson is probably would be amazing to have on your team. And one more... One more... Um, he was tough as fucking nails. Uh, I don't know, it's a hard one now. It's a hard one, bro. Do you know what? Bruce Lee is not a bad one. <laughs> <laughs> I probably go with Bruce Lee as well. He's a fucking animal. A few of them kicks look good like that. So, oh, it's boxing rules, actually. No, Bruce Lee can't be in there boxing rules. No, he can't do shit. If he could kick and it was street fighting, it'd have him. Um, Josh Kelly. Josh Kelly, because he'd hit and not get hit with, with, for a while. I mean, boom, in and out. So I think... He's a little animal, I like Josh, and I, you know what, I was only speaking about him yesterday, lovely, lovely guy, so I just like to have him on the team, he's a legend. Just to clarify then, so you've got the two Tysons, Fury and, and Mike Tyson, yourself, uh, Josh Kelly, and then would you just put Jasmine in the front of all that? <laughs> yeah, 100%. And a good little, little bit of the round, I'd like to throw in as well, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? If it was like wild card. Game, just a wild card, like if someone pulled out with an injury, Roberto the round would be in there, he was tough as nails, so um, yeah, that's what I would have. I'd fancy me chances with anyone going against. Right, just the flip side to this. John O'Carroll's street team. Street rules, no weapons. Okay. And we're not endorsing street violence just before. It's a <laughs> fantasy question. I've got to say this every week, but street rules yes. with no weapons. Who do you pick on the street? Obviously, completely different from like mm. the, the, the Queensbury rules, if you like. Yeah. But who do you pick on the street Is alongside you? These are a lot of people in my old little crew that I had when I was fucking, you know what I mean? So Do you want to give their nicknames? No, I'll just tell their fucking full names. <laughs> me, Paul Jackson, we got the many fights, me and that mad bastard. His brother, Anto Jackson, we had many fights. We're, yeah, we've, we've smashed too many people to think of. <laughs> them two that no one else would know, I'd like to have them in there. Because yeah. um, they're two worry little bastards, not even that big, but they're worry as hell. My other friend, um, Jerry O'Brien, he was an animal, he was in the army and all, and he'd done the MMA and shit. He had a few scraps with him as well. Um, and then, you know what, I got with Tyson Fury again, because Tyson's a legend, look, I can only imagine him in the fight. So, um, just to have a big monster in there, you know what I mean? Yeah. But back in the day, that big monster would have been my Uncle Sean, you know, he was the big fella out of all of us. We were all worried. Actually, what's his name? Jerry was big as well. But I'd want Tyson Fury in there. I'd have to swap Sean for Tyson Fury. Cause, well, it's Tyson Fury, you know what I mean? I love him. Okay. Uh, I think some people have gone for, like, yeah, like fantasy people. Who is it? Um, I 
go back to Fabio Wardy's one, I think he'd pick Kimbo Slice he'd put in there as well. <laughs> Kimbo Slice is an animal, actually. I wasn't even thinking of him. I wouldn't mind Khabib in there, actually, as well. Let me swap one there for Khabib. You've got about a team of seven now, yeah, anyway. Yeah. As long as it's touch, if it's like you can touch in and out, then it'd be good. Yeah. A little bit of WWE would be deadly. It's my, it's my own fight club, so I make the rules up every week. So if you want to do that, tag team, touching, yeah, tag yeah, team, no, daddy, problem, yeah. no problem. Yeah, let's do that. Right. Jono, appreciate your time. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's been really interesting. It's been emotional uh, listening to you. Always knew there was a story, and mm. at some point, it, it was good for you to share that. So, appreciate that. No uh, problem. And thank you for giving me the voice to speak as well. A lot of people don't have these opportunities to speak out in public, and I'm just hoping maybe one person can listen to this. If this helps one person, maybe they're going through the same shit. I would say reach out to me, but I'm not on Instagram really anymore. I don't. Tr I'm trying to stay away from all that madness, but. Uh, if you ever need to, do reach out to me. I'm happy to always speak to people, and you know what I mean. I've helped many people, but uh, life is rough sometimes. Sometimes you need someone to speak to. But I, I'm appreciating you just giving me the platform to be uh, able to speak this to millions of people. Hopefully, it reaches the people that it needs to. John O'Carroll, thank you very much, and thank you for listening to Raw the Fight Within podcast. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe as always, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you very much. Sports Social Podcast Network.